shed the days like skin Pray for evenings in Hold their hands in the street When you walk them off to school A box too full to shut A cardboard paper cut The bleeding edge of a picture Of your parents when they were cool Welcome to Edu Matters, where education matters. Brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementsOP.com. And now, here are your hosts, Christy Vincent and Brian Brueger. Welcome to the Edu Matters Podcast, Episode 8 No Barbie Girl. I am your host, Christy Vincent. Tonight, we are joined by my co host, Brian Brueger, and the Element OP producer, Mark Cockrell. Our special guest this week is a true Southern Belle, Jamie V. Jamie, will you introduce yourself with the correct pronunciation of your last name? I would love to. It is Jamie Vandergrift. Um, you have to love that and all those letters. Um, do you want me to introduce myself more than just my name? Yeah, and a and a you know spelling and uh, did you ever torture <laughs> kindergartners with that last name would be great i did not um i actually taught uh, third and fourth grade in texas and um most of them could roll out some vandergrift but in texas of course there's you know some deal car dealerships that had similar names and so often the spelling was mixed up more so because there was like you know common dealerships and so no, but my kids got it after a while and I had a big poster on the wall with my name on it. So if, you know, they ever got stumped, they could just look on the wall and jog their memory. Good job. So this week, sorry, this week in Texas where nobody else is but me anymore. I'm so lonely I could cry. <laughs> where nobody else but me in this great state of Texas, we started school and Florida had started school, but they're dealing with weather issues, so they're not there right now. Has Georgia started school? Actually, uh, I have a first grader, and he is in his third week of school. So we started a long time ago here. Uh, yeah, mine too, August 1st. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, they get a head we start. We actually passed a law that said we couldn't start before the fourth Monday of August. But here are there. This week, starting the first week of school, some interesting things have occurred that I've just been dying to share with you guys. Today, I had the privilege of working with a teacher who has been teaching for 46 years. She's a little more than 70 years old. She received her master's at 70. That was her, her goal was to have her master's at 70. She did it. And she says to me while I'm working in her classroom and we're, we're doing some kind of techie stuff. She said, you know, it's so great working with technology. It's so much easier now than it's ever been before. Everything's just easier to do, and I spend so much time with the kids learning. And I thought, you know what? That's pretty powerful. I, I really enjoyed hearing that from her. That's I thought someone said something. That's, that's actually quite the opposite. Typically, you know, it's people that start later have a diff quite a different view element 737 in the chat room says yep ipads have made it so easy so it's all it's all apple and their ipads that have changed everything <laughs> oh please do not get him started this early 
I was just going to say, is it going to be one of those shows? I was just reading the comment. That's my job <laughs> as the producer is to read the, the back channel and comment. I, I was just going to say, I read the comment too, but I just chose to not say anything. <laughs> so thank you, viewer, who is staying with us and not tuning us off, no matter the remarks. Uh, then so I, I was in the lounge time. and what? heard another comment that kind of saddened me that I... You know, I'm I'm with this one teacher who's who's not young by by most people's standards. She's she's not a young spring chicken, as we would say, but she's still out there. She focused on the learning for the kids, her learning. She was going to move forward no matter what. She could retire. She hasn't. And then I go in the lounge and I hear on the first week of school, two younger teachers saying that the way they handle their kids is they let them pick who they sit next to the first two days of school. And they make that list to make sure that they don't ever sit by those people the entire rest of the year. They're like, and that, that way I know they're not sitting with their friends. And I thought, you know, that's really sad. Because I depend on my friends. I haven't been on Twitter. I've been working 12-hour days. And I don't really remember what my husband and children look like. It's been that time of year. But I really depend on my friends. My friends being my tweeps. And to not have them around and to not be able to rely on them, I would be so lost. I would. I don't know what I would do without you guys out there. And that made me sad. That made me very sad for the state of education right now. So I went and found a first-year teacher. She's very fresh out of school. And she's so happy with fifth and sixth graders. She's just full of energy. She can't wait to change the world one child at a time. And I was happy again. I love the first week <laughs> of school. I do. My, my first-year so teaching me, experience... Amy. We had the teacher who told you, you know, never to smile, always to be mean. And then when you went in to observe his class, mean just didn't even describe it. And the kids hated him. And that's what I always strive for, is to make sure that everybody hates me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you worked in technology, Mark. It comes comes with the uh, title, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it? right. That's, that's actually in the job description, is be hated by all people involved. <laughs> if not in it's certainly understood oh my. so tell us jamie you said you taught third and fourth grade taught yeah. as in past tense you're not teaching now i'm not now because <laughs> see i was formulating a nice politically correct answer there um well i of course i moved um and you know state of education at this point uh is not exactly at its you know highest as we all know, um, I, I knew coming to Texas, as we know, pays their teachers. I know it doesn't feel like it, but Texas actually pays their teachers pretty well. Um, so I knew I was going to take a pretty decent pay cut if I was going to teach here. Um, so that didn't sound like something I really wanted to do. Um, and additionally, the jobs just aren't here to teach. Um, and so I, I've kind of set myself up in the past um, to branch out a little bit. I've done a whole little bit of this whole technology thing. Um, I've done some professional development. And uh, so I really wanted to take those things and use those um, new skills of mine in addition to teaching to um, kind of start moving forward with a different kind of career. And what is that career? And that career is, go ahead, go ahead Mark. <laughs> well, I'm actually, I've decided to become an independent consultant. 
and um, I'm choosing to be an independent consultant in uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, but I have a lot of like, you know, big beliefs about education, um, as most of us educators do. And I don't believe we're like a, a business market per se. I don't think we're, you know, for, we shouldn't be a for profit by any means. And I looked at a lot of uh, companies that hired educational technology consultants and 90% of the job description read sales, high, high sales driven people. And, and all that said to me was that um, there's a lot of people out there putting educational technology consultants into schools to sell products, um, not to lead teachers and not to change education, but to sell products. And so I, I sorted through many, many different uh, job opportunities and eventually reached a point where I just, I came to a point where I said, there's just no way if I'm going to do it on, I have to do it on my terms, which is I want to work with teachers. I want to work with schools. Um, I want to do good things for education and I don't want to have to sell them something. And that's how I got here. And so what do you do consulting on? Um, I basically, um, I have chosen to do a little different version of consulting. I think consulting is kind of known as, um, most consultants develop a plan of here are the five things I consult on, pick one, and um, I'll tell you how much it costs. I have decided that that isn't exactly the best route for me. I don't think educational technology is um, something you can prepackage and sell school to school to school. Um, I don't think that uh, any school looks alike. I don't think the demographics are alike. I don't think they're what they have on their campus in terms of digital tools are alike. So I don't think you can go to a campus and say, here, I teach these five things. Which one do you want me to teach you? So my concept is that I will go into a school and meet with their administrator and find out what tools do they have on their campuses. Where are their teachers currently? Are they using web-based tools? Um, have they you know, branched out? Are they in BYOT? Are they one-to-one? Um, you know, where are they and what are they doing? And then what does that school want the next step to be? And then I provide um, a presentation that encompasses what the school's next step will be. And this to me makes so much more sense in the world of educational technology because I just think when you go from school to school and state to state that no two schools are going to look alike. And the way that we reach schools and the way that we change schools is finding what every single school needs and building on that. So so my whole vision is uh, there, I don't have a one-size-fits-all um, calendar. I have a basic, here are the, the things I can do. I can do digital citizenship. I can do one-to-one. -one. I can do um, bring your own device or bring your own technology. Um, I can do digital storytelling. I can do any of these things you want me to do, but I want to do them based on where you are and what you need. And, you know, this time of year for teachers, you can always find the teachers. They're the ones that, one, have entirely too much school supplies, because that's me. I love school supplies. And they're so excited. It's it's our second New Year's. You know, we don't have the fireworks. We don't have the festivities. We don't have a national holiday. But we love the beginning of the year. We're going to start fresh and do new and do amazing and wonderful things. And for teachers, what do you think that this time really brings to them? You know, they're, they're getting ready to go into a new year, and there's usually new mandates and new things things to learn and you know they've got to cover that thing on digital citizenship that maybe they didn't have last year and cyberbullying was recently passed in their state and they have that but on a personal level how is that that they 
they grow? What do you what do you suggest for new teachers to make that resolution for this school year? Well, I think that it is so easy to become overwhelmed. Um, I know Texas did not adopt Common Core, but most states did. And so a lot of um, schools are going back, having to learn Common Core, having to understand concepts like blended learning or design thinking and they're, they're they have to be overwhelmed and so then you bring in an educational technology consultant who then wants to say hey why don't you try this or why don't you do this and so my advice to anyone that's entering a new school year under any of these circumstances is that you you take on an understanding is that the vision is that you are working smarter not harder you want to find something that you're familiar with and you want to take what you're familiar with um, and use it. So I did a, a digital newsletter once, and um, I think one of the first things I said was, if you are, um, you know, really, if you've done some video work with your class and you feel confident that you can do video work, then it might be okay to do some Skyping, some mystery Skyping, or something that's going to be, you know, video projects. If you do Facebook and Twitter and, and you're, you're into social media and you understand social media, then perhaps you would want to try something like Edmodo or Schoology or Big Campus and use those kind of tools because you're already familiar with how those things work. Now all you have to do is make connections that um, filter educational needs. So to me, it's, it's working, taking piece by piece and finding things you're already a little bit familiar with and then integrating those into your curriculum. We have a couple of comments <laughs> in the chat room, if I can uh, plug in there. We, Please we, do. We have uh, uh, our schools in Texas behind other states because they didn't adopt Common Core. Should we be worried in Texas that we aren't oh, building no. capacity? No, no, no. Texas, uh, you know, I've obviously done a lot of um, – looking at different states and different state guidelines. And last year when I knew I was moving, I, I went on to the Common Core website and I looked at all the, the Common Core guidelines. And I taught third grade last year, so I, I just basically scanned all of the Common Core um, skills. And I taught every single one of those skills plus 25 more last year. So Texas would essentially, in my vision, probably have taken a step back in terms of adopting Common Core. Um, Texas pushes really hard, and Texas, um, I think Texas is leading is leading the way educationally. And honestly, from a lot of teachers I've talked to in um, you know different venues and trying to network for consulting, um, when I tell them I've taught in Texas, they'll say, "Oh yeah, you know we've talked about that in my college classes. You know that Texas is kind of leading the way." And so that kind of makes me feel good because I've got you know a bunch of years under my belt from Texas. But no, absolutely, I do not think Texas is anywhere behind. Anything else from our valued listeners? Oh, there's some back chatter there, but uh, not all of it's worth reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, you seem to be getting a good chuckle out of it, and we, we definitely enjoy that, Mark. Thank you. So you talked a little bit about um, if if someone's socially connected or if they're into social media, I think is how you phrased it, this you know, recently we've heard about the connected educator and even seen that kind of pop up on Twitter for those of us who kind of live there. What does it mean to be a connected educator? And part two of that question, do you believe teachers have a choice, maybe is the wrong word, for being into social media? 
Okay, well, I'll take part one. Um, first, part one, um, connected educators. Uh, as a connected educator, I've, I've done this Twitter thing for like, uh, you know, a year and a half. And I didn't want to do Twitter because I, it was like 140 characters. And if you've met me, you know, I don't put anything in short terms. I, I can never make a long story short. So um, I never thought I could make it on Twitter. So I just didn't do it. So the one day that I, I did stumble up on it and um, started, you know, following a few people in the education world, within within days, like my head was swirling because there were so, I, I, I probably prior to Twitter thought I was like the smartest, most technologically advanced teacher in the world. I was comparing myself to, you know, two or three people that I worked with. I used a lot of technology, so I, I very much felt very tech savvy. And once I was following a few people on Twitter, I realized there were 20 things that they listed in two days I'd never even heard of. And I quickly realized that 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 connection had been broken. I was looking at like this small scale of where am I and, and where, where, where do I fit? And when I started looking at this global idea of educators, not just, you know, my school, not just in Texas, not just in the U.S., but a global collection of educators, I realized that we're all learning something all the time and we're sharing it. And I, I really at some point had to kind of scale back because the first like month of Twitter, like my brain was ready to explode because there was so much coming at me that I just, I didn't know what to do. Um, in, in the year and a half, I've kind of figured it out and I can have, you know, eight or nine different feeds going at once. But being a connected educator is simply that you are taking on the power of getting your own learning. You're getting your learning on, okay? I'll throw out a little Texas term. You're getting your learning on. You you decide what you want to learn. You decide what you want to try. And you know exactly um, who to go to when you need help or information or suggestions. And there's never a day where I, if I hit some educational problem, I'm not going to sit here for more than a five minutes and try to figure it out. I'm going to tweet it. And in five minutes, I'll probably have somebody who's done it or has a good suggestion. And it, there's, there's nothing that can replace that. There's no professional development out there that's constant everyday um, network of people coming together and sharing ideas. Just isn't. So, um, being connected educator is about learning on your time with the people who can help you be the best you can be. And part two was that, do I think people should be on social media? Was that the question? Do you think teachers have a quote unquote choice to be connected or not? Well, I think obviously, yes, they have a choice. They can choose not to be connected. Um, and I sometimes think they choose that out of, um, like the fear of unknown per se. Um, for example, uh, the, the teachers that I taught with last year, phenomenal. I taught at the most amazing elementary school in Texas. Uh, yes, I'll say it. And I taught with the most amazing staff. Not many of them were on Twitter. Uh, they, they, you know, thought I was crazy. They, you know, threw in a few jabs here and there. Um, but at the end of the year, they found out that they're, big uh, conference at the beginning of this year, they were going to be back channeling. And so my principal has said, hey, can you kind of teach the, the staff to back channel? And I thought, oh, gosh, this is going to be entertaining. You know, this group of people that have, you know, laughed at me for all of this. So uh, last staff meeting of the year, I'm getting ready to leave. And they're probably thinking, oh, thank goodness, here she goes with Twitter again. 
And uh, so I taught my staff how to back channel. We set up our own little hashtag for our campus and we practiced back channeling. And, um, you know, I probably left thinking those people would never do that again. But on uh, last week, obviously, the teachers went back to school in Texas. And uh, I was, of course, following the hashtag for their big uh, district event. And in, you know, there were hundreds of teachers there. And the majority of the teachers that were tweeting that day were the ones from my campus. And I was, I was so proud because it, it just took them realizing that um, they could really be connected and they could share and they could, they could try something like this and they could enjoy it and they can learn from it. And I think that if you can get someone over that hump to realize that, you know, you're they're not forced to do it, but the gains far outweigh any any work you're going to put into it. There's there's essentially no work. You don't do any work. You follow a few people and you watch. Um, but what you can get from it is um, there's just no words to explain explain how how much you can gain just by becoming connected and and learning from others. You said something that really struck a chord and I think the guys can chime in on this too. Mark formerly being in a school district for all of his adult life as a you know tech director and Brian currently doing it over in Florida. What we hear with professional development specifically all the time is that it's a, a wham bam thank you ma'am type of thing. You know it's a one shot one horse pony, we get it one time, and then, okay, we're gone. And we see it frequently in the tech world. We go in and show someone how to use something, and, you know, three months later, we're like, okay, what, what happened? Why aren't they, why don't they know how to do this? And we hear the frustration of teachers all the time that, oh, I wasn't taught, I didn't know, no one came and checked on me afterwards. You said something about Twitter that I don't think I've ever heard the way you said it, but it's like getting professional development all the time, constantly. We're, we're constantly checking in and helping each other and, it's that all the time, always on connection that we have to others. Well, how do you think that that's, what value as a consultant does that have for you? Or is it a, a disservice for someone in, in the field of consulting? I actually think it is a huge perk. Because I think that even if you have someone that, that consults for your school district and they come in and they teach you something amazing, um, that amazing thing lasts for a certain period of time. They don't come back and check on you a month later. They, you know, certainly don't call you and say, hey, how's that going? Social media, um, specifically Twitter, Facebook, those sorts of things. When you, when I go in and consult and I talk to a group of teachers about something, I know, I don't have to end my relationship with them the day I walk out with a check from them. I continue to work with them through social media and by getting them on that platform um, I'm, I'm getting them much more than the the four hours or the eight hours or the two days I'm with them um, it's not a disservice at all because it it's building people who are learning and growing and educational technology especially changes every single day I I struggle to keep up with it on a daily basis so it essentially doesn't doesn't do anything except help me to continue to build that relationship with people and, and learn with those people so that they trust that when I come back to them, if I come back to them again, that I am, that I, I do care. I want them to continue to grow. I care about their schools. I care about their kids. I care about their professional development. And I'm not ending it, you know, with a, I was here eight hours and I'm kind of done. 
um, I'm, I'm continuing that conversation if they want that continuation through social media. Guys, how would that how would that work with something like what you what you do, what you bring to the table when the teachers feel like they're in more of what we would call a direct instruction role? We just tell you how to use the technology. <laughs> would the extension, if you will, of something uh, like a social network like Twitter, how would that play out in in your world when you're needing the t teachers to know something and learn something new or different or or whatnot? I think we've talked about it before, but it, you know, in, in various aspects of different podcasts and topics, but to me, the big struggle is convincing teachers to be lifelong learners. And some of them, there really is no convincing process, but others, it seems very difficult to get them to say, rather than me picking up the phone and calling my internal tech guy because I want them to either do something for me or walk me through something, but trying to encourage the, I need to figure this out. I need to try. And what are some of the methods that I can, can, you know, employ to, to do so. So my question to Jamie would be, how do you help flip that switch from, you know, I need to, for lack of better terms, be serviced by, um, my tech department and have them help me or I need to go out and um, seek out resources on how to do this, whatever the this or task is. That's a great question. Um, I, I agree that the, I think that it, we don't always see ourselves as, as needing to be lifelong learners. Um, but I think at some point teachers are going to have to, it, it's going to be a, there's not going to be a choice to make change. Um, we're talking about classrooms changing with one-to-one -one or one or BYOD or, or however they're changing and teachers are no longer um, that sage on the stage as we like to call her. They're, the teacher is, is now not the most, not the smartest person in the room. The teacher is, is guiding the learning. The teacher is engaging students and developing things and that, transition or that change in the role of the teacher is going to be really tough. And at some point, teachers will have to say, how do I do this? And, and where do I get the resources to, to adapt to this new role I have to take on? And it's, it's going to be a really long process. Um, I've, I've seen schools that are, um, are, top notch right now they're one to one they're in, they're totally involved into digital learning and project based learning and they're they're in it and then i've also talked to schools who are still fighting the we you know we only have a few computers in our school and we you know have limited resources we don't have youtube we don't have any of those things and so i think that that we have a big digital divide right now but at some point we're all going to catch up to to the same place and when we do, teachers are, they're going to have to look for resources in order to be successful. Um, so I think it's, it almost has to be internal. It has to be, um, you know, almost a gut check of, oh gosh, I, you know, I feel out of sorts, you know, as a teacher. And when they reach that point, you know, sadly, they're going to have to seek help. They're going to have to ask somebody, well, how did you do it? Or what did you do to, to change the way you taught when these devices made their way into the classroom? 
Um, so I think, Sally, there'll be some that are just kind of, of hanging on until the end. But I think at some point there will be a, a time when they realize that what they've known as an educator is no more and their role has to change. So they have to find other people who've gone through those changes and use them as resources. Okay, this is strictly from a, a tech perspective, but does that mean that really good tech departments are doing their teachers a disservice by always being there and always providing an answer versus providing the opportunity for teachers to go and seek it out on their own? Well, let me let me jump in there if I might, because um, I you know I did that job for for fifteen years, uh, and one of my principal frustrations was the fact that I was there. Christy, you know, that's your job, right? Instructional technologist. You you would love for a teacher to come to you and say, you know, I, I can't quite figure this out. Help me learn this. The thing is, by and large, they don't. Um, and, you know, we're, we're saying Twitter is a great place to do that. But if they're not going to do it with the person down the hall, you know, they're not going to do it on Twitter. And, and it goes to back what you were saying earlier. It's not about an availability of resources for the most part. It's, uh, it's about the, uh, the will of the teacher. Um, and I think, you know, I think, Jamie, you hit it right on the head. There's, we're, we're going to have to have some attrition there. There's a generation of teachers who just have to move through the system. Uh, I hope that's, I know that's a cynical view, but I think it's realistic. Uh, and then hopefully we can move in these these people who are we are now teaching. You know, they're our students now. We're teaching them to to be learners, and then later they will become teachers, and they will inspire that. That's my three cents worth. I'm gonna throw in a comment from the chat room here, who says that um, perhaps we need to start stop saying, "quote Yeah, but," and change it to "What if." essentially stop making making excuses and to start looking for a solution so maybe as an educational <laughs> community we could uh change our perspective a little bit i like that that's a pretty smart chat room you got there <laughs> i believe that was a quote from david jakes just to uh, sure stroke the chat room just to add uh, attrition uh, attribution <laughs> where it's due Till next week, growing David Jake sitting here watching us for his 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 um his words. <laughs> but and to go back to your original question, Brian, when you say, "What if a good tech department does this?" My argument for that is a good tech department doesn't do that. And stop, stop, calm down. I know customer service. The tech director said whatever the teachers want. I, I've heard it all. I've fought it all. But to me, from the teaching perspective, and Jamie, feel free to chime in, if my kids said, yeah, just give me the answer, and that's all I kept doing for them all year, okay, we haven't helped a child at all. And I know that, you know, all the tech departments aren't in it for building the person and teaching the teacher and, and whatnot and growing an individual like, you know, people from Jamie and I's world are. But, I mean, really... When we've said, no, really, they're smart. I promise you, they're, they're a lot smarter than they give themselves credit for. They will get to it if you just push them just, just a little bit, just with one finger, just push. They'll do it. Why, especially tech departments, it's like hammer the tech department day. Why do tech departments insist on saying, oh, I'll just do it for you. Just move out of the way. Let me do it. Just let me do it. I got it. 
Nick, your company's computer guy. <laughs> the see, and I, as a tech director in a school, I would prefer to not provide all the answers. I in, but yet I'm being asked to on a regular basis. So rather than, um, you know, referring both students and teachers to a list of frequently asked questions or um, resources where they can find this information and, and things like that, they would rather have me sit down and spend a personal hour with them and walk them through on their home computer, um, whatever the task may be. Um, some of that is coming from the parents. If an, if it's a student that we're we're talking to, because it's kind of you know the parents asking the student to to go in and and request such a thing. In other cases, it's just teachers who would rather sit down and have that personal hour with you, which of course is readily available because there's nothing else for a tech guy to do but to wait for your questions. <laughs> right, just so, sit around and play mahjong all day, right? That's right. That's right. But we're good at it, so you know. We'll we'll take credit where credit is due, but the um. But I would rather say, in fact, you know, we did this this year with our iPad project, where we put together all these frequently asked questions, because after doing this for a year, we knew what a majority of the questions were going to be, and so then when somebody comes and says, "How do I do this?" we point them in the direction and everything, and they come back, you know, immediately respond with an email saying, "Oh, I can't do that," or you know, an hour later, they'll say, well, can you walk me through it? And now I'm beginning to wonder, why did I bother putting together questions? So how do we transition um, both our, our teachers and our students and maybe even our parents from the, the spoon feeding method of old to the lifelong learner method that, that, we're, that we're shooting for? That, that that was deep, Brian. I'm touched. That, that was Crickets. really deep. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what that that just tells me? As soon as Jamie gets that in answer, she's going to be rich because everybody's going to have her in her school, in their school, trying to uh, get that change to happen. Well, you know, I'll attempt it. I guess I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because now there's no pressure or anything. Um, I think that. The key, I, I actually had a great um, instructional technologist on my campus that I might have already mentioned that was like super awesome in Texas. And what what she did that was different was um, she sent us a list of all these things. Hey, I'll talk to you about this, 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 and this. What do you want me to come work with you on? And she came to our school uh, at least once, maybe twice a week. She was kind of split up. Um, but our district had it to where our, our technologists were there to guide us to learn. And yes, if I emailed her and said, my dongle isn't working and fix it for me. Yes, I said dongle and your edgy matters. You watch uh, your language, young lady. Uh, <laughs> you know, she'd of course troubleshoot it with me via email. But if she was in the building, she would come down to my room. She would talk through it with me. If we fixed it, she'd tell me some ways that maybe next time I could fix it on my own. You know, it, it was almost a, a, a guide. Um, in terms of how we did instructional technology with our instructional technologists, because she she didn't come just to sit there all day and wait for the problems. 
she came with a list of, hey, um, I need to, you know, what, which of these things do you want to meet with me on? And our campus actually required um, that we meet with her, which, you know, I'm not so much for the whole requiring thing, but you had to have so many hours um, that you met with your instructional technologist and went over, you know, things. Of course, I well, well went over my hours with her. Um, but it was, it was more of a, each week she was there and if we had a problem, she'd help. But sh her main goal was to facilitate learning with teachers in small groups and large groups, whether it was before school, after school, during our planning. Um, if it was in the middle, if I was going to, you know, roll out a lesson and I wanted to try something a little new and run a risk and say, Hey, why don't you come down here with me just in case this goes sour? She'd do, she'd co-teach it with me, you know? So I think that that's the concept is that. Um, your tech team becomes also the guide on the side instead of um, always helping. It's, hey, you know, I've heard you had a lot of these problems. Hey, look, why don't we sit down and do like a, you know, a little 10, 15, 20 minute course on, you know, working on these things together. Um, and essentially then you're building a, a group of people that will stop necessarily always asking for help and they might just network together to solve their problems. Um, she was never logged with, you know, tons of problems I don't think I think she did a lot more she built a community of us with us that we knew um, when she was going to be on campus we knew she'd be there every Wednesday and so we kind of got in our brain okay if I have questions you know what do I want to ask her and she'd set up a hey at not you know this time I'm gonna you know do this little session while she come in and sit down for it so I don't know does that make me genius that I copied my school district's vision <laughs> I think the genius is that your school district had vision. They did. They did. <laughs> Anymore. And I still brag on them. They See, should be bragging on them. I'd, I'd like to throw in a quote from Mark Cockrell. I don't know if anybody, have, if you guys have heard of this guy. But um, in the chat room, he says, I call it the digital janitor. Um, when my computer throws up on me, I want you to come clean up the mess and then go away. Well, well said to this strange man named Mark. <laughs> strange for sure. But I think that's, that is kind of the rap that technology gets. The first thing I say when I introduce myself to a new teacher to the district is, Hi, my name is, and I'm from, and I am a neat hybrid of curriculum and technology. I, I say that specifically because I feel like it gives me a little... I guess a little in with them, maybe. The technology department seems to get this rap, this bad rap, I might add, of just what Mark said. They're just the digital janitor. They're, you know, come in. And I don't want to be that person. I, I want to be there all the time and for all my teachers, which, as anyone in this position knows, it's not a simple job. But I just, I'm not okay with telling them, here, let me catch the fish for you, kind of what Peggy George was referencing in the chat room, that, we have to teach them to fish. And teachers, I love you guys. You know I do. I'm one of you. But goodness sakes, don't stop learning, people. Push forward. Be strong. Learn more. Jamie, what well do you said. have to tell them? Well said. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> From Georgia, almost 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the Twitter feed where you tweeted, come get your learning on. And it just distracted me. <laughs> See, Twitter is a distraction, and that's why it should be banned from the classroom. That's why it should be blocked if you at the, do not at edit the that district out of the level. Show Mark Cockrell. 
<laughs> says the man no longer in public education. Mm-hmm. Ooh. You just crickets. proved it. You just proved that it's a distraction. <laughs> it's a funny distraction. If we were, like, you know, learning big stuff, you know, like important stuff, maybe we wouldn't be tweeting funny stuff, but... <laughs> It is 10 o'clock at night almost, so I, it, it can be funny. Get your learning on. And I just want to add that... Ooh, we may never know what she was going to add. <laughs> this interview would not take place if it had not been for Twitter. Exactly. I met Jamie through Paul in North Texas, up around Dallas, he introduced me to Jamie, who was already well on her way to Georgia. Then Mark, for reasons unbeknownst to man, decides to go to Georgia. And I introduced Mark and Jamie through Twitter. And Brian, I'm pretty confident we've never met except through Twitter. So what were you saying about that evil Twitter, Mark? Mm-hmm. It's a distraction and should be blocked. <laughs> I think this whole podcast is the fault of Twitter. Wow, he did get quiet. Which and maybe it should be blocked. <laughs> I think Christy's about seven seconds behind us right now. That uh, She's rocking that MiFi there to connect to us. <laughs> Didn't she have one podcast where she was doing it from her car? All teachers, yeah. pay no Outs- attention to the tech men in the room, Outside the bank. You may yes. continue on. With an extension cord plugged in <laughs> so that her laptop could charge. <laughs> was it the bank or the library? I don't remember. The library, probably. Yeah. Yes. Between Mark's internet connection and, and Christie's... And that proves teachers are innovators. Where is Christy now? <laughs> Session of the yeah, it's like a oh, where, it's like a, where in the world yeah, is Christy one. Vincent? That's yes, that's awesome. We should we should open with that every every week and just see if the chat room can guess at her location. And then we could uh, just to make it exciting, we could say you know any listener who can show up in the video stream with Christy during the podcast. You know, I agree. We should. Get, that would be gets awesome. like a free element OP T-shirt or something. Just run around the random board meeting. <laughs> Do we have element OP T-shirts, Mark? <laughs> uh, for that, I would make them. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. A koozie. <laughs> get those element OP koozies ordered up. <laughs> All right, Chris, are you back with us now? You want to? Yeah, but you have some- Wrap this thing up. Now that you've completely derailed the show again, Mark. It's what we do show best. completely derailed. Just for the record, I'm pretty sure it was your uh, 96K upload that derailed the show. <laughs> I was just filling dead air. Yes, I'm back. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> All of that being said, we know your world has all right, um, I'm going to hang up on you and call you back and hope for better connections the second time. She doesn't even know I'm – she, she, I disconnected and she never heard me say that. That's, uh, that's awesome. So, Brian, while we're doing that, why don't you do the uh, contact information part of the show? 
Well, I was actually going to jump into the tips of the week because oh, I had a question okay. for for Jamie. Um, see, my tech tip is really surrounded by the fact that Hello. we have been off of work for um, for a couple Hello. days because we had a tropical storm come through. So my Hello. technical tip is when we the rotter rises, find something that floats. And that has pretty <laughs> much been, you know, my technical world for the last couple days. Um, and so, Jamie, we usually do a technical tip or a teacher tip. So if you had a uh, a brief moment, okay, the moment's gone, to think about what you would like to, um, you know, kind of pass on a word of wisdom or a tip or something like that, what would you pass on to the listeners? What's our consultant tip of the week? The consultant Ooh. tip of the week <laughs> is this. Uh, we are... Do I get no- to do my teacher one now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> No, you're interrupting the guest. She Just still stay. doesn't know that we're talking. This is awesome. I'm not even going to edit this. This is hilarious. Something. What is? I'm yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Jamie. I, I just hung up on her so she wouldn't bother. Go ahead. No more interruptions. <laughs> I think my consultant tip of the week would be that we have to embrace where our students are. It's not about where we are. It has nothing to do with us. Um, education is no longer about teachers or administrators or tech support or anybody else. It's no longer about the adults in the room. Education is now uh, solely about the students. And my tech tip is if you really want to learn technology, ask those kids. Um, don't be afraid to ask them. Don't be, don't think they probably don't know because they do know. Um, and learn to embrace that they bring an element of knowledge to the table that maybe you don't have and start collaborating, you know, work with your kids, no matter what age group, I taught eight year olds. And there were days where I'd do something and they would be like, you know, you could just like, you know, upload that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I could just upload that. So embrace these students that we're teaching, embrace what they know and what they bring to the table and work with them, not against them work for them and with them as educators. Awesome. Thank you. Do we have a, uh, a wary and somewhat coherent, uh, Christy back with us yet, Mark? I don't know. The connections there. Skype says she's there. <laughs> Christy, I'm are you there? To be here. Okay. Okay. Teacher tip. Cue Christy. Go ahead. Teacher tip. Allow the teacher, the students, been a long night. Allow the students to learn, remembering always that you were one too. If you need something delivered directly to your inbox every Tuesday morning, our special guest this week, Miss Jamie, can provide that with her digital learning newsletter. Awesome. And that's, I will that's all just, I got for the, just for the sake of a better connection, I'll say uh, digital learning Tuesdays can be found at Jamie Vandergift. Dot com. Well, yeah, but it's a weird spelling. It's J-A-I-M-E instead of J-A-M-I-E. Yeah. Vandergrift.com. Yeah. Would you just change your name to Jane Smith? That would make things a lot easier. Could, <laughs> could you get to work on that? <laughs> Go to janesmith.com slash digital learning newsletter. <laughs> I know, right? And, and we will throw those uh, links into the uh, into the show notes so that they'll be available and you won't have to spell it. That's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to jump right into the contact us because in five minutes now, Christy's going to think that we just finished that segment. So, um, 
Of course, you can always find us at the website, which is elementop.com. You can find us on the ever-distracting Twitter at elementop or at Bruger or at Christy underscore Vincent. And I'll throw Mark's in there just for fun. If you'd like to pester him, it is at Mark Cockrell. You can also find us at facebook.com slash elementopi or via phone at 559-I-AM-OPI. And just for the record, don't expect anybody to answer that. That's a voicemail <laughs> box. Leave a message. We'll play it on the air. That's great. I think I might call that just for fun. You do. <laughs> and, and it's both a threat and a promise. I will put it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Christy, maybe you could call that and we could just do half the podcast <laughs> that way. <laughs> I don't think she's even hearing us anymore. I would say shut no. your face, but you can't hear me. Oh, there we go. There she is. Uh, well played. Well played. Uh, I picture Christy as like, uh, you know, a disembodied spirit in the room, you know, like like uh, from the movie Ghost, Patrick Swayze. She's yelling and, and nobody can hear. It's awesome. <laughs> So pretty much it's like being in the classroom, right? <laughs> Ouch. All right. Since she's not there, I'm going to take this opportunity <laughs> to, to wrap this up and uh, say, Jamie, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being a guest. Uh, and you are welcome to come back anytime. Well, thanks for having me. This was a blast. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully next time, uh, Christy will upgrade the uh, 10 cans between uh, uh, the string between her two 10 cans. Um, uh, and yeah, we'll have a better. That's we'll going to be better. some good beats tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to wrap this up because Christy can't. And I'm going to say, uh, on behalf of Christy Vincent, shut your face. And on behalf of Brian Drucker. Have a great night. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Brad.